good afternoon, ladies. We are now in our fifth, yeah, fifth session of our doctrine class. And uh, we hold this every month on the second and third Thursdays of the month. So in the previous topics, what we had was the existence of God, God's revelation, and what's, what is man's response to God's revelation is supernatural faith. Then we went to God's nature and action. Now we're going to have uh, most holy trinity. And then next Thursday will be creation. A pious medieval legend represented also in a magnificent painting recounts that one day St. Augustine was walking along the beach trying to understand how God could be both one and three. He came across a child who was using a seashell to pour water from the sea into the hole dug in the sand. When asked what he was doing, the child said he was trying to put the whole sea in the hole. The great father of the church tried to make him see how impossible this was. But the boy replied, it was even more absurd to try to understand the mystery of the Blessed Trinity. The central mystery of our faith and the Christian life is the mystery of the Holy Trinity. All Christians believe the doctrine of the Trinity. If you do not believe in the doctrine of the Blessed Trinity, you are not a Christian at all. You are in fact a heretic. And what is heresy? Heresy is a refusal of baptized person to believe one or to, to believe one or more truths revealed by God and taught by the church. Refusal, remember, we when we believe in God, we have to believe all the truths that God has revealed. Again, we cannot be a supermarket Christians where we just practice some doctrines of the church that are congruent to our lifestyle. Now, our Catholic faith proclaims that our God externally exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in one living and true God who is creator of heaven and earth, who is eternal, almighty, unchangeable, infinitely powerful, wise, just, and holy. So we believe that the one God eternally exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one God, co-equal and co-eternal, precisely the same nature and attributes, and worthy of precisely the same worship, confidence, and obedience. Now, from our previous doctrine class on supernatural faith, we touch on the different ways to practice deeply our faith. And one of these is to know more about what God has revealed to us through studying the scriptures. Here are some biblical statements about the Trinity. So we find in Matthew, it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Further, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. Furthermore, Mark 
said, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. John, through John, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. From the biblical statements, we can deduce the following statements about the Trinity. The Trinity is one God and one only, exists in three persons, equal and eternal, worthy of equal praise and worship, distinct yet acting in unity, constituting the one true God of the Bible. Now, the early church reduces their belief in the Trinity to two short statements, and that is one in essence and three in person. When we say this, we mean that the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. But they are not three gods, but only one God. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father, but each is God individually, and yet they are together the one true God. Have you heard of the word Godhead? Theologians sometimes use that term when they want to refer to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit as three divine persons. One of the chief objectives uh, to the doctrine of the Trinity, who denies the Trinity, is the Jehovah Witnesses. Who ridicules it with this equation? One plus one plus one equals three. In their minds, Christians worship three gods, not one. Now, the doctrine of the, of the Trinity is not absurd, absurd, if that's what the Bible teaches. Maybe there's more than one equation to play with. So we could say that one times one times one equals one. So the Trinity explains. So what exactly do we mean when we speak of the Trinity? First, let's start with a negative and work towards the positive. What we do not mean. First of all, Christians don't believe in three gods. That's the heresy called tritheism. And then second, we don't believe that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are three forms of God. That's the heresy called modalism. So where do we find the, the Trinity doctrine in the Bible? The Trinity taught in both the Old and the New Testament. It is taught by implication in the Old and by direct statement in the New Testament. In Deuteronomy, we could say, like, for example, here, no, it, it's, it says the Lord is one. And in Corinthians, there is no God but one. And in Timothy, there is God. All three persons are called God in different places in the Bible. Like, for example, in Galatians, there is Father, the Father God. Paul, an apostle, sent not from man nor by man, but by Jesus Christ, and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. For the Son, Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. For the Holy Spirit, in the Acts of the Apostles, then Peter said, Ananias, how was it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money that you received from the land? 
didn't it belong to you because it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just lied to human beings, but to God. So lied to the Holy Spirit, lied to God. So finally, all three persons are associated together on equal basis in numerous passages. Like, for example, in the Jesus baptism, voice of the Father, Son baptized, Spirit descending like a dove. In salvation, chosen by the Father, sanctified by the Spirit, sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. And in sanctification, grace of the Lord, love of God, fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And in Christian baptism, voice of the Father, Son baptized, Spirit dwelling like a dove. And the prayer in Ephesians, chosen by the Father, sanctified by the Spirit, sprinkled with the blood of Christ. For Christian growth in Thessalonians, chosen by God, loved by the Lord, sanctified by the Spirit. So the list of passages might be extended. So it simply shows how easily the writers of Scripture passed from one person of the Trinity to another in a way that assumes their equality of nature while preser preserving their distinguished personhood. Now, the Trinity examined. The word Trinity is not in the Bible, but we don't discard it simply because it is not found in the Bible. The issue is not the word, but because of what the Bible teaches. We could also speak of the triune God in referring to the Trinity. The revelation of God, one and three. Christians are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' entire life is a revelation of God, one and three. At the Annunciation and the Nativity, when he is found in the temple at the age of 12 in his death and resurrection, Jesus reveals himself as the Son of God. In addition, at the beginning of his public life, at his baptism, the Father himself testifies to the word that Christ is his beloved Son, and the Spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove. This first explicit revelation of the Trinity is paralleled by the scene of the transfiguration. Finally, when departing from his disciples, Jesus sends them in the name of the three divine persons so that the whole world may come to share in the eternal life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, God revealed his oneness and his love for the chosen people. Yahweh was like a father, but after having spoken many times through the prophets, God spoke to his son revealing that Yahweh was not like a father, but is the father. In his prayer, Jesus calls him Abba, an Aramaic term Israelite children use in addressing their own fathers. And he always distinguishes his own filiation from that of his disciples. This is so astonishing that it might be said that the real cause of Christ's crucifixion was his calling himself the only son of God in the strict sense. This is a definitive and immediate revelation 
for God is revealed by His Word. We cannot expect a further revelation since Christ Himself is God, who is Himself for us, bringing us the life that dwells in the Father. To Christ, God opened His intimate life to us, which would be inaccessible if we had to rely on our own powers. This very revelation is an act of love for the personal God of the Old Testament freely opens his our heart and the only begotten Son of the Father comes to meet us, to make himself one with us and lead us back to the Father. Now philosophy was unable to grasp this truth since only the light of faith can make it known. What does faith in the Blessed Trinity mean in our own life? We Christians realize that everything that exists has its origin in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We become Christians in the name of the divine persons, and everything in our lives is marked by the sign of the cross, according to the words of Jesus himself, which is in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. But what does faith in the Trinity mean for our own life? Although we will only understand in heaven to what extent the Trinity is, our Christian faith already directs our step towards this mystery. The mystery of God is not unfathomable because it is dark, but on the contrary, because it's too luminous, the eyes of our intellect are dazzled by looking at it as happens when we look at the sun in broad daylight. The difficulty in understanding the mystery of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is not due to its being absurdity, but to its being a mystery of love, a communion of persons. Our God is a mystery because He is love. Everything in Him is perfect and eternal gift, and the created world is an expression of that love. To the world and the people around us, we can understand why faith is needed to grasp this truth, which not even the greatest philosophers could discover without revelation. It is not a matter of believing what is absurd, but of entering into a personal dimension of the mystery, which we can only achieve when we open our hearts. Lord, Thank you because you are so great that you don't fit in my head. And thank you also because you fit in my heart. So why does God hide himself in his mystery? In reality, it is not that God hides himself. Like for example, even us among humans, it is true that the intimacy of another person's soul can only be known through a volunteer act of revealing what's in one's heart, one's memories, dreams, worries, fears. Although some of this can be guessed from the outside for another person to grasp what is deep inside us, a, re a revelation of ourselves is needed. And the one who shares in this revelation needs to really understand and assimilate it. There's, the, there's this prayer. You know, when you do your prayer, everything that you, what happens to you, of course, God knows. But it's different when we tell our Lord what's happening to us. 
because we would say, Jesus, I want to show you whatever you already know. So Jesus is waiting for us to tell what is in our hearts. So God has revealed himself to us and the de depository of, of God's revelation is found in sacred scriptures, traditions, and the magisterium of the church. Through the supernatural faith we receive in baptism, our eyes become accustomed little by little to its light, the mystery of the Blessed Trinity. The attitude that we need in entering the mystery of the Trinity is humility and deep respect because we are entering into the space of the origin of love, of all loves. The only true love is God's love. God is love. The Father really generates the Son, giving him everything that he himself is, and not simply something that he possesses. The Son, the perfect image of the Father, gives himself anew to him. That is, he responds to the gift that he receives giving himself totally to the Father, just as the Father has given himself to the Son. And the gift that the Father and the Son eternally exchange is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the love that unites the first two persons, and he is God because he is one with them. Thus, our God is one and triune precisely his absolute love, because he is a perfect gift. So one of the adjectives used by the Christians to describe the Blessed Trinity, to describe the Trinity is blessed. God is full of blessedness, of happiness, and he wants to share it, which is why he has created all things, to share with us his infinite joy. We exist because we are loved by the three divine persons. Since the world arises from the overflow of the love of the three divine persons, the meaning of life for those who believe in the Trinity is love. St. John Paul II teaches us that the family is the living reflection of the Trinity. Saints recognize that a self-fulfillment is found in love and service. So gestures of affections echo the love of the Trinity because they signify the desire or availability to be one in the other as the divine person are. So the love of the Trinity embraces the entire universe. All things were made through the world made flesh. All creation speaks of Christ as the liturgy says, paraphrasing St. Paul, now, the Father's plan is fulfilled to make Christ the heart of the world. Hence, we con can contemplate the world as a place of encounter with God. In the light of the Trinity, Christians know that they are partners with God, working with him to bring all created realities to the Father. This is the heart of every Mass, through which creation recovers the relationship with its origin, the Trinity. So Saint Josemaria once said, I strive to reach the Trinity of heaven through the Trinity on earth, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. The love 
of the three persons in the Holy Family, the relationships of mutual self-giving guide him in his contemplating of the Holy of the Blessed Trinity. So for my ending, here's an anecdote about Saint Josemaria. During one of his catechetical trips, Saint Josemaria de Balaguer, founder of Opus Dei, pointed to the right way to speaking about God. When people tell you that you don't understand Trinity and unity, you should reply, I don't understand it either, but I love it and venerate it. If I understand God's greatness, if God fit into this poor head of mine, my God would be very small. And yet he does fit. He wants to fit in my heart in the immense depth of my soul, which is immortal. A total understandable God would not be a mystery. The Christian paradox is that although the infinite Trinity cannot be understood by our intellect, he dwells in us, in our hearts.